1: We'll talk about our expectations of it before it, and then our thoughts after it. This is episode 23, and I'm joined by returning guest Mike McFadden, and we sat down to watch a film together. Uh, We're sitting down to watch Heat. I'm Jeremy, and I have seen the movie, uh, but I only saw it once, and it was back when I rented it on VHS and I had to switch tapes.
0: (laughs) No way. That's how long ago I've seen it. We're going to be here a while. I'm Mike, I have not seen the movie, and this is a point of great delight and outrage to my friends. They can't believe I've not seen Heat. And why haven't you seen Heat? You know what, I think that, okay, it came out in 95, so I I think I was sort of in the midst of, like, the chaos of and poverty of university. So I was busy, like, being a theatre major. I was, like, turning up my nose at, like, screen media at the time. I was right. like, theatre is where it's at, and, like improvisation and Stanislavski and I couldn't like I wasn't spending you know 12 well I guess back then it would have been like eight bucks to to see a movie and I probably didn't have a VCR or something in my crappy student housing that I had at the time so it just sort of passed me by but I heard about it I've heard about a lot like it's quite a true black hole it's a true black hole and one that I have been kind of like embarrassed to admit I have because yeah. especially among dudes, it's sort of like it's sort of like I feel like maybe um uh oh man, I'm blanking again, we we're blanking just before we started, yeah, rolling a uh, a uh, uh, fight club, I feel like it use it's sort of fight club is taken over as like the the movie that guys guys, guys, movies, right, you know you everyone's seen, every guy loves. I feel like this maybe was produced Used to have that Marvel. mantle. Interesting, yeah. Kind of well, like Die Hard as well.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to rewatch it because you mentioned the uh, the Dark Knight trilogy podcast I did with my son. And one thing that I do know is that uh, Christopher Nolan borrowed heavily from Michael Mann for uh, the second one in the trilogy. Really, um, I have to watch it again to to speak to it. Exactly, but I do know that's a lot of people made a lot of comparisons. Like between, broad like deep structure that like I don't know if it's you only really notice if you have an eye for I think it's like aesthetic and just like feel and tone and a lot and, and a lot of that kind of stuff is what I remember. I have to look it up. I'm just I'm just riffing off of what I remember. But I remember at the time people were really compared it to heat and I meant to rewatch it then, but I didn't. Probably it's it's that con thing where you're a parent. You understand this. Where you're like, oh, "I want to watch that movie. Oh, it's three hours long. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> when am I going to watch that movie?" <laughs> so I haven't. The time has always uh, has always been a factor of getting back to it. But, right. but I'm super excited to watch it now. So what do you know about it? Okay, I know that it is
0: star. It's pairing up the powerhouse of acting talent of De Niro and
1: Pacino, and the second time they've been in a film together. Right since the godfather part 2 godfather part 2 but they never acted together before right oh okay i didn't know that so that's the first time this is the first time they've acted
0: together i think i know that there's some like insane car chases and i know that it was based on a british series called brother warm oh i didn't know that i just made that up it's not true (laughs) (laughs) it's good just just messing with you keeping you on your toes i don't
1: know if you're messing with me about that
0: Is it really based on... A... I don't think it's based... I don't know oh, anything yeah. about it. I've not seen this movie. <laughs> what it is. I can name two actors in it. Oh, I think I know that Val Kilmer's in it.
1: Yes. He's okay, I actually know that. There you go. That's all you know. Yeah. That's great. So we're going in this really clean... Yes. I'm very... I'm like German snow. Yeah. Are Just... you a... Are you a... A Michael Mann fan? Um... Casually?
0: Yeah, I would say somewhat. Um... Uh, I mean, everyone is a little bit, right? Yeah, it's he's one of those like he's kind of he's sort of like
1: he's sort of like modernized a certain pace of movie. Yeah, I I think I consider him one of those guys that's super solid, but I'm never really like oh I got to see the new Michael Mann film. Right, it's one of those guys where it's like usually I'll get around to seeing it, but I'll get around to seeing it. See, for Christopher Nolan, I feel like early on I
0: identified him as a filmmaker to follow and mm. so if I hear about a Christopher Nolan movie I'm, a, I'm certainly going to give it a shot yeah. whereas I feel like with Michael Mann it was like after the fact I'd find out oh that was a Michael Mann movie oh that was what well, that was too like it was like reverse connecting the dots yeah so well, there you go not to diss Michael Mann we're
1: about to watch a movie but Michael if you're listening I'm a big fan we should hang out they were huge fans Mike <laughs> <laughs> all right on that note let's dive in let's watch this motherfucker Let's all go to the lobby
0: to get ourselves a treat. Alright,
1: we're just finished. What a beast of a movie that was. Oh my god. <laughs> First impressions. Explain unpack beast. What about made it a beast? What do I mean by beast? Yeah. Um like I didn't think
0: it would be well, it was a lot of movie for one thing. Yeah. We we started watching it. It was 2017. What year is it now? No, it we're, we're 2017. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I guess I didn't think it was going to have such a concept to it. Like the idea of like a cop and a crook being flip sides of some kind of coin. Yeah. Like I guess I thought it was going to be more just generic action movie. Right. Like I thought it was just going to be. And I didn't think it was going to be showing both sides of that equation really equally. Like, I guess the the whole conceit of the movie. Like, I didn't know that... That they both have heat on them? I thought that it was going to be, like, either, you know, all the bad guys doing mob things. Yeah. And maybe they're being chased or whatever, but the, you know, they're, you know, very much like protagonist-antagonist, where you're really taking one point of view. Or I thought it was all going to be cops chasing some bad guy. Like, I figured they were... I thought Pacino and De Niro would be, like, on the same side or something. Oh, I, wow. You didn't even know they, that? I thought they were cops together. I thought Oh, be, like, amazing. I thought it was gonna be, like, Con Air, but, like... Yeah. <laughs> like, I thought it was just gonna be that, but, like, better. Right. But they didn't realize there'd be such a conceit to it, such a clear, like, elevator pitch of what this movie would be. Oh. That's okay. Um... Mm. And, yeah. uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't think that the, uh, that those two, you know, powerhouse actors would have basically one scene together.
1: Really? And then the chase at the end. Yeah. But what a scene that is. Yeah. That and they In the diner, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, and they crazy. chose not to rehearse that scene. Oh, really? Yeah. They only did a couple takes of it. They wanted it to be uncomfortable and unrehearsed and unfamiliar. It's really good. This, it's that kind of, that, it, th- this movie... And that scene's r- right in the middle, literally in the middle. Is it really? It's one hour and a half. Oh my gosh. In. That scene makes you realize why those guys are
0: superstars. Like, mm-hmm. why they're sort of like, you would look up actor in a dictionary and there's their picture, right? <laughs> of that scene. Like, like that, that, but I mean, I think those are both actors who in recent years they get a lot of flack for yeah. the, cho- the choices of movies they take on, that they're becoming self-parodies of yep. their former glory. And I feel like, especially in that scene, you can see why they're like household names. Yeah, exactly. Why the the Nero and Pacino are
1: like a shorthand for being an amazing actor? Well, they did another movie, I want to say it's almost 10 years ago now, called Righteous Kill. I never saw it. I heard never terrible.
0: even heard of his movie.
1: Uh, and they're doing... It in, I could make up the name of a movie that would be a better title than that, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they're about to do another movie with Scorsese. Oh, okay. Uh, the two of them. Oh, uh, cool. Well, not another. I don't think Pacino's ever worked with him that I can think of. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, but yeah, that scene is... I just love the idea of that. He pulls him over, and you're like, what's his plan? Yeah. And he's like, let's grab a coffee. Yeah, he's like, that was cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... A, because at the point, he's like, well, clearly you don't have enough on me to pull me in. Like, you gotta think that De Niro's character is just as curious about what this guy's tactic is. Yeah. You know? Because at that point, it's cat and mouse, right? Yeah. It's almost like a genre-defining cat and mouse. Yeah.
0: Cop and bad guy kind of a
1: yeah. thing, and, but... And do you see the uh, the similarities to Dark Knight now?
0: Yes. Yeah they whole flip sides of the same coin, or we, we,
1: we know, need, feeding we need, off of
0: each other. We and, need each other. And also, no one else understands me, but you. Like, you got a Joker and Batman thing, where they're both
1: psychopaths, just in, in different ways. Yeah. And... Well, you got that great moment in, in Dark Knight, where Heath Ledger says, like, we're gonna do this forever. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, And then, and they hold hands as you I know, die. it's like, crazy.
0: I was not expecting that, like... That I could see, I've, I can see why it is has such a canonical place in terms of action movies because there's a few things that it does that are like a typical action movie. I suspect that this is the moment that zip ties as a restraining
1: device got like Invented. cemented in yeah. popular culture as like a thing that gets used. Well, even and just I, I just pulled up IMDb just quick just to look because I wanted to double check some of the cast and it's still ranked like 124 in the top 250 movies. Wow.
0: But yeah, there's this, there's stuff that is kind of by the numbers action movie. But even that stuff is done pretty well. Like yeah. it still really holds up. And usually, this kind of a thing, you know, like uh, twenty years on, it's like oh, the cool twist or turn or bit of uh, action uh, choreography that wowed people in 1995 is like that's a teaser for an episode of CSI now. Yeah, like. Because the game's always being up, but I feel like it really, it really holds up. But that relationship at the core of it really sets it apart as uh, a really interesting movie. Yeah, and they have two scenes together, yeah. really. And one of them is mostly, like, I think that the the, the 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 checkerboard houses actually have more screen time than either of them do in that,
1: that final sequence. Oh, it's true. Well, and just... The stuff that's going on in the pl- the planes in the background of that sequence is so choreographed, yeah. And it's like, how the fuck did they land the timing of that stuff? Oh man, they must have. Yeah, the planning of that just like even just when he's they like, must running have owned entire blocks of L.A. for you know
0: weeks at a time just to like shoot guns. Like it was obviously like a, a big production.
1: Yeah, and what's amazing about like the set pieces as you were like they're they're fairly simple. You know, there's the big one in the middle. There's, like, just a shit ton of guns going off. Mm. Uh, But, like, it's not a big elaborate bank heist. They're not doing, like, that clever shit you see in modern movies. Right. Where you're seeing them just do choreographed weird things. Well, like, Dark Knight, like, where there's very high-level,
0: intricate stuff going on in terms of how it all works.
1: Yeah, no, they're just doing it. Like, you don't even know their plans. They're just going in, and you're just watching really smart professional criminals. Yeah. You know? And it's because you don't blame them. Like, there's that great opening scene. The guy kills the guy for no reason. Mm-hmm. That sets everything in motion, right? Uh, and, and that's, you know, that undoes everything. You know, that's the reason. He goes back to get that guy at the end because he just can't fucking let it go. That that guy is still walking yeah. around. Well, and that guy who is also a guy also a really killer. well
0: cast, he's also a serial killer, which is almost like a bit much. Yeah. Uh, but he, he was really well cast as being... Like, he was d- deeply unlikable. Yeah. Like, he wasn't the kind of character you love to hate. He's the kind of character he you hate, hate to hate. You're like, kill him! Kill him sooner! He's in too much of this movie! Why is he still alive?
1: <laughs> I hate his face! He's one of those guys. And it makes you um, and it makes you think that it's like, they must have done that just so that when you walk away at the end of the movie, you go, no, he had to kill him.
0: Yeah, um, I would have I taken
1: a turn off the highway, too. Yeah. Kind of a thing. The, like, unfinished business or whatever. But it's amazing just the time they spend on character development. Even, like, that, the short order cook, who... Mm. Like, they spend a few scenes setting up his character through early on in the movie. Yeah. To the point where they like, well, this is going somewhere. Yeah. Eventually. And... He, and then to you... But you really buy his decision to, yeah. to go with him. Because otherwise, if they... Because in another movie, they could have just been in that diner and be like, oh my god, hey, so there's that guy... It's very coincidental. Yeah. You know, that they just happened to be in that diner at that time with the guy they went to prison with that was a getaway driver.
0: Well, he might have been just throwing a bit of a writer hissy fit where he got noted on the fact that there was this coincidental, like, hey, there's the guy from I know from prison. Seems a little coincidental. I was like, oh, okay, fine. Well, F you. Well, we'll have fun. I'm going to add 40 minutes to this movie to set up his backstory. Are you happy now, Mr. Executive? Uh Yeah, it's fine. It's good. Yeah. I like it.
1: It will leave it in. It was one of those. I, I, I. This feels like Michael Mann had director's cut. There's oh, no. Oh right, yeah. There's so much little stuff that you can go through and just like. He really it, didn't want that. it. There to be no small parts. He wanted everyone to be a three dimensional character and. Yeah, and they are even like you've got Val Kilmer, his wife, who's Ashley Judd. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Oh, I did. I, I saw her name in the opening credits, and I said I missed some of that, and I was like. For some reason, I thought it was Gretchen Maul right away, and then realized it wasn't her, but I'm like, who the hell are you? Because that first scene she's in, she's doing a weird act. Like, her dialogue doesn't fit her. Like, she's got this weird um, cadence that makes her sound dumber than she looks, and that she's performing. It just feels like the dialogue and her are not fitting. And then she's fine the rest of the movie. Right. Uh, I just had a weird... And then there's that weird green screen scene that feels like a reshoot. Because nothing else in the movie looks like that. But I wonder if,
0: well, I don't know. Would it be the sort of thing where, like, the resolution that you'd be watching it in 1995 and the quality of projection, you wouldn't notice it as much.
1: much? We're talking about the scene where uh, uh, De Niro first has that. No, I guess it's a one-night stand at that point with uh, Amy Brenneman's character, Mm -hmm. and then they're they're in the close ups looking over the balcony. It's just very clearly green screen LA in the background yeah. at night yeah it's like kind of like Land of the Lost level green screen LA. bad <laughs> it's not good but I, I don't remember but, that from the first time I saw it on VHS so yeah, yeah well I probably why. on level 4 or 3 screen like a you know yeah. little, a little CRT yeah we were just DVD. watching this on DVD so luckily we didn't have a Blu-ray because I'm sure it does not look great on Blu-ray that'd be the kind of thing that might need to go back in and just like they might have fixed it spend, maybe spend
0: like $30,000 to just make that look okay yeah so that's fascinating that you didn't even know that they were a cop and robber. No, I didn't even know that. Oh, that's great. I told I was
1: deep in a theater school hole at the time. Like I was reading Chekhov. So for you, does it does it feel like this stands up and that it was worth the wait? Yes.
0: I would say it uh but it there's a uh I would say that it on the one hand it stands up. It was worth the wait. I'm glad that I finally saw it. I wish I'd seen it. Sooner in a way, yeah. I probably appreciate it more now as it being like a conscious black hole movie. Um, uh, but there it is interesting. Like of those two actors, I feel like I definitely feel like De Niro comes off better. I prefer De Niro in this movie. Like I feel like this movie redeems De Niro a bit for me because it's a little bit of. I mean, I love them in Meet the Fockers. Meet the Fuckers, sure, 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 and stuff like that. And I I fully. Support any actor, kind of like taking out the piss out of their own career, career in some ways, in some in choices. Their Twilight years, yeah, and uh, and deciding to make some decisions based on like I want to work with these people; they're nice, yeah. Uh, and you're going to give my uh, film festival a million dollars every time you hire me. But um, uh, apparently, he's got a rider. Like if every time you hire him, you also have to make a one million dollar donation to Tribeca. I did not know that. Uh, this is, people at home, you're listening to this on your phone and it's a podcast don't think that i say anything that's true like research it for yourself maybe mike is full of shit that's something you've heard this is the thing i've heard okay it's out there it's in the zeitgeist uh but whereas i I feel like pacino is doing a bunch of stuff that is like the stuff that he gets criticized for like the
1: randomly yelling well and that's
0: things where this is
1: this is that era that it's starting the hooah yeah, the of a woman must be, like, the year after or something. It's right around this. Yeah. Yeah, because we watched, uh, a couple weeks ago, we watched Dog Day. afternoon. Okay. And, have you seen Dog Day Afternoon? never seen noon? that, no. Oh, my God. If you want to, like, the difference between Pacino and this movie and that movie, I think Dog Day is probably his best performance. Okay. That movie is just, it's amazing still. Wow. Uh We did it a couple episodes ago, so... Uh, do yourself a favor and check out Dog Day the Afternoon. There's like black holes within black holes in this yeah, episode. It's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. So this is right around. This is right before both of them kind of start to become self-parodies. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this
0: one, I imagine, might have been like before people were kind of seeing the pattern quite so much and just yeah. still loving it. Like, wow, he really, he really showed him. And instead of it, whereas I feel like maybe now with the, you know, we've all seen people do impressions and stuff like that. It, it doesn't. Yeah. uh it's a bit of an unfair perspective on that. Yeah. Um but yeah, overall I just think the conceit of it and the fact that they let them like with they're holding hands at the end. Like other than that, they're really quite subtle about the fact that they're the only two people who understand each other and yeah. and they that they're uh they have a bit of an interesting relationship that way. And to your point, Let's of- it be really kind of a thing that you feel smart for putting together for yourself as you're watching. Yeah, they don't spoon feed it to you. Yeah, it's like that. A lot of that movie is... It's really interesting how it. is. It isn't an action movie that spoon feeds everything and makes sure that you understand every single step. It kind of follows that Pixar storytelling rule of, like, two plus two is better than
1: four. Yeah. Like, if you put a couple things together for yourself, it's a better experience for you as an audience member. Yeah, the closest they get in this movie, I think, to, like, kind of going, do you get it? They're the same (laughs) person-ish... Is when they have, they go that scene where all the gangster guys are together with their wives at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And the cops are watching them. And then the very next scene is all the cops together with their wives at the restaurant. Right, yeah, yeah. And it's like, see? They're both yeah. just people Yeah,
0: living and the, lives. Uh, and, and, and ultimately it is a movie about a bunch of uh, busy, important men who are just like, oh man, women, huh? What nags. Oh, yeah. don't they just get you down? No one will ever understand women. A bit, there's a bit of that. Yeah. Which I think is partly uh I the, mean partly it's probably just Hollywood because the like, women
1: roles aren't aren't super strong in the movie,
0: right? I mean,
1: but at least there are a few of them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was very excited to by the way as you as I mentioned in the middle of the movie to see Amy Brenneman because I just finished watching all of um Leftovers and I had never seen her in anything before. So to then see her like 20 years ago,
1: earlier, yeah. And I love what I love about and just just to get back to the thing you mentioned about uh, you would have, about kind of enjoying uh, De Niro's character a bit more. And I think that's kind of the trick to it is that I think if Pacino died at the end, you wouldn't have cared. Right. You know, I think part of you wanted him to get. But by that point, he's destroyed his relationship with Amy Brennerman. He's not. Yeah. It's almost like, But the second he leaves her, he almost has to die to justify leaving her. Yeah, I hear what you mean. Because if he stayed, he would have went to jail. Yeah, he would have been caught. So at that point, he's committing. He's accepting his fate. Because it's either he's gonna die mm-hmm. in that moment, or mm-hmm. he's gonna kill Al Pacino and then be on the run forever. Well, and the move, the the moment that he
0: decides to step away from her, I, I found that that was a great moment. I just thought that was I was very effective and uh, and affecting because mm-hmm. it p- pays off this maxim of. Career criminals that he's that's he says a couple of times in the movie about like at any point in time you have to live your life such that you could just walk
1: away at thirty seconds notice as soon as you feel the heat and yeah, that's the discipline, yeah. yeah, and what I love about her character is that she's not some like bombshell, you know she looks Correct. like a regular person, and that's a really specific choice you know Michael Mann makes in the writing and casting of this movie that he wants to settle down with. A regular person. Right. He's not looking for a fling. Yeah. He's not looking for just something to dangle off his arm. He wants a person of substance. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
0: And she's like, they have an, in, they have an interesting conversation. It's like there, there's a connection there yeah, that she's that he's ultimately walking away from, even though it's like so early in the relationship. But it kind of doesn't make any sense that they're running off together. But but which you feel like that's part of the yeah the weird dynamic.
1: Well, for a three hour movie, there's very few scenes of their... Of them together, considering the weight of their relationship, the movie has. Yeah, that's an interesting point. You know, like she. You're m- a smart guy.
0: Oh, thanks, Mike. You should be involved in show
1: business. I should somehow. do stuff. But, but like they have that great moment where he says, you know, just because you're alone doesn't mean you're lonely. Or yeah. he's talking to her himself, and she's like, "Well, I'm lonely." You know? Yeah. And then and then he kisses her, and he's like, "Oh, he's really lonely too." You know. So that moment has a lot of weight, and it's a great, strong scene. And then even. You know, after he's he's with all of his friends and their wives, then he calls her up and and they and it's almost like in that moment he decides it wasn't a white night one night stand. Yeah.
0: It's interesting when I think about the the lasting reputation of this movie, which I'm aware of. Yeah. But it's like I said, like I feel like there's other movies since that have kind of um taken the mantle of like, you know. Movies for guys and like right. I said, like Die Hard or, or or Fight Club or um Phantom Menace or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the um uh Did you say Phantom Menace? Yeah, no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> thought I'd just throw Get in Get the fuck I thought out I'd just throw in a yeah, little yeah. Fun, fun one. Beaches. Um well, but I feel like in a way, like it's it's uh it's notoriety. Like I feel like if I mention this um, like a friend of ours on, on, on Facebook, like I mentioned to you that, that I hadn't seen this movie or whatever. And then I got like a bit of a pile on it. Well, like, you haven't seen it. Yeah. You're an What's idiot. Or I'm so jealous. I would love to be able to watch it again for the first time. And I feel like, but if that, if it came up among people who were, you know, you know, 15 years younger, I don't know
1: that it would have the same kind of immediate um, no, it's of our generation. I think mean, you're full. absolutely right. It's people, it, it, people that came out when we were in our adolescence or college or university, it's remembered very fondly. But I don't think it still looms as large as, and I don't. know, Maybe it's because
0: now we're used to anything that's as successful as this movie becomes a franchise. Like, oh, but you wouldn't do that with this movie. Like, you you really couldn't. But I mean, no. I mean, other than you know, well, here's the thing: if this movie, if this movie came out in like 2010 or something and was ex- ex- as successful as it was, like, it would be the new Fast and Furious. Like, they'd find a way, <laughs> you know? They would, he would not die. He, they would find out, you know, you know, the, the second movie, you know, Heat 2, Summer in the City, would start <laughs> with, like, the paddles and him being brought back to life. And then you'd just, like, ride it for 10 movies. You'd have, like, Heat 3,
1: Hot, Hot, Hot. Uh, heat 4, I don't know Maximum Ice. It
0: would just, just go on forever.
1: I know I, I understand what you're saying. I don't feel I don't feel that this movie would be like that, like, because it's kind of it borderlines art house, this movie. It does, yeah. For for the genre it's in. Yeah. You know, and I think at the time, I don't know if it was, I'd have to look it up. The the internet will tell me the answer to this. No major awards. So no, it wasn't. Uh but at the time I remember I remember uh like the advertising just surrounding like the, the team up of you know, De Niro and Pacino, yeah, together for the first time since they weren't really together in Godfather Two, mm-hmm. um, and and it's a bromance in a way, right? It's like it's like which in the same way, and I think that's what, the interesting comparison you make to like the idea of the guy guy movie where it's like it's a weird love story between these two men. Who yeah. understand each other more so than anyone else will ever be able to.
0: What I think part of one of the hallmarks of the films, movies that yeah. are are well that become touchstone movies for of like guy movies is that most of the guys that are like a big fan of them are not necessarily seeing in, the movie for what it is. Like I feel like or, yeah. I feel like like most of the. Dudes out there who like fight club, yeah, or like they're not getting the anti consumerism message so much as like it's about fighting, yeah. And uh, you know, I don't know, maybe I feel I wonder if maybe this is a movie that has uh, some of that part of its cachet is not necessarily invested in the art house side of it, but in the mm. you know, they're shooting big guns downtown for a long time, isn't that cool? There's a lot of like, oh, the wish fulfillment of like, wouldn't you just like to throw someone through glass? Wouldn't you like to sh- really shoot up a cop car? Yeah. But um but that le- but I th- but obviously the movie only works because that level is there. That that below the level of sheer spectacle and entertainment there's a there's a very
1: interesting relationship there. Yeah, cuz it's even like the movie's got a very specific style, but you wouldn't call it stylish. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of gritty and moody. It's so- interesting though because it's pretty gritty. Yeah.
0: And, but it's not uh, like
1: drive. It's not. But like...
0: there are a few times where there's some beautifully sh- composed shots.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or there's that scene where um who is the two. Is it Janeiro um, and uh, Brannaman are in the car, and then they decide to go away together, or they decide yeah. things are looking up, and then they go into a tunnel, and suddenly it's it goes from night to like bright, just at that moment, and it's from the. From the practical lighting of just driving into that tunnel. It's yeah. just that
1: it's really nice. So there's, a, there's, some, there's that, some... That's very... like the false hope. That's that false hope moment where you're right. like, oh, it's going to work out okay. He's in the home stretch and he's like... Right. And he realizes he can't let it go. He comes yeah. back, back into darkness and then makes that decision. Right. Right after. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, no. It wasn't to say there wasn't any artistry to it. But it's just... It's not... There's very few moments where it feels like it's showing off. Right. The way a lot of, like, I think the movies you're referencing, like, The Past and the Furious and those kind of things, where they're just, like, where you sit back in the audience and you pull it, and it's like, oh, that's just a cool shot. Yeah, exactly. You know? Um, and the fact that you are thinking about it as a cool shot and thinking, like, where do they put that
0: camera? The filmmakers are cool with it. They're not like, oh, no, that'll take you out of the story. You're like, yeah. No, you'll, you'll be like, whoa.
1: Yeah, the only thing that pulled me out, and it's just because I'm nerdy... Was just that ending of just looking at the planes and the timing of like the comings and goings and just going, there's no way that's an accident, and how complicated because it's in the middle of you know dramatic scenes where the actors are acting. I can't imagine being like, Daenerys, you just gotta wait for that plane to come by, like, just hold it in, the plane's coming, and go now, emote, yeah, now. I don't know. I kind of think they kind
0: of did. Like, no, I'm sure they did. Like, because now, like, if it was a movie that came out now, I would think that there would be all CGI. kinds of
1: CG and stuff, but
0: no, I don't think so.
1: No, that was all done in With, camera, which yeah. is the, which makes it all the more impressive, because it just feels natural. Yeah. You know? Um, it's, uh, it, because really that scene is is fairly simple, like, the final confrontation is a really simple scene. Mm-hmm. If you don't factor in those things, yeah into it um the thing only the only thing that took me out because I'm nerdy was
0: what, there was a time where they were the the first heist. I spent a bit of time going, are they saying bear bonds or bearer bonds? <laughs> I think it's bearer
1: bonds, what are bear bonds
0: uh, I don't know I don't know I mean, maybe it's like you can redeem it for
1: a grizzly, yeah, and people are willing to pay a good 1. money for 6 that on a grizzly, yeah. I like how it's, it's almost kind of fairy ish in a way where all these separate threads kind of connect together, um, which is also the, like the Dark Knight thing where it's just, you know, the, the, the guy they ripped off at the beginning that they're going to sell his bonds back to him decides, no, I'm just going to fucking kill him. And then that's, and then the guy, the serial killer guy ends up ratting with, like, they're all, yeah it's such a web. Yeah, but it all connects back together Like the, the plotting of it is pretty sophisticated although at the same time my, my one gripe with the movie is there's a lot of convenient things that happen where little clues get dropped into the, lap, the cop's laps yeah. that make it really convenient for them to go their next thing it's just, the thing that bothered me with that so much is that it's just that classic storytelling thing where you want your hero and your villain to be evenly matched yeah, and as smart as each other are, and it just felt like there were so many times where Pacino's character just got lucky. Yeah,
0: yeah. You want good luck. You want luck to work. You know, like we don't mind coincidences if they are not in our hero's favor. Yeah, if it's like oh, and the rope is starting to fray, you kind of go with that as like bad luck just sort of happens. In our own lives, we find that is yeah. to be true. I guess. You whereas, whereas the
1: coincidences that help. Your your protagonist feel like a bit of a cheat, I guess. Now my my devil's advocate to my own issue would be that in the end they don't really help them because, you know, De Niro ends up dead, uh, even right. though he could have got away. Like, yeah. you know, all the stuff that let him get away was kind of coincidental and lucky. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it's his own hubris, his own inability to let this guy go. Right, that doesn't does him. So n- None of the coincidences helped yeah. him. I think there's And in the end Pacino's by him alone too. Right. Like this one person who completed him in a weird way, left him, and the last time we saw his wife, she's like, Can we make it work? He's like, Probably not, realistically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. which
0: I believed, but
1: Oh absolutely it
0: gave their relationship some closure. Yeah. Yeah. But I think with some of the coincidence stuff. Uh, or they were relying on like they would just drop some information that they got from the fact that they were tailing this whole crew and, and had them under surveillance. I think that there's those there's moments where if it's a big advance in their, in the case, you want it to be a little more of a like real hands- on win or a moment of real cleverness from the, or, you know or your your, your hero figuring something out as opposed to something falling in their lap. Even if you kind of believe how it happened, it's more satisfying if it's them actually doing something active to figure if it out. You know, in this case it was literally just like, oh the guy happened to say uh, Slick. Slick. And he was like, hey what what do you mean slick? And it's like, well, yeah, you
1: remembered the thing from before about But how did that this coincidental guy just happened to say the one magic word. Yeah. Which is the only word that the witness who only heard stuff really pulled out that was specific and unique. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, it's one of those things where... Because you're sitting there being like, how the hell is this guy going to catch him? Because you're watching Pacino's character and he's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. They established that really early on. with like, you do this, you do that. Like, he's a guy that's in charge. Mm -hmm. But you... Yeah, you want him to, to earn it. You want him to be more like The Wire. Yeah. You know, where...
0: With someone Where, they, where they, they put it together and you're like, I wouldn't have thought of that. But, no. I,
1: but, I, but I followed it. Yeah, you look, you've seen The Wire, right? Yeah. Like that scene where McNulty is drinking and driving and smashes the car and then goes back and tries to recreate it. It doesn't <laughs> matter. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that, just that, Not to say I don't want a scene like that in Heat, but it's just that level of just kind of more nerdiness, I guess is what it is. Or just yeah, so that's that's my one gripe with the movies. I just felt like for a few too many conveniences, where I guess maybe I just wanted more of like that typical more modern I guess sto- storytelling where you really just got to earn it, and the and the yeah. cops are as smart as each other, because I would argue that the De, De, De Niro and his crew were way smarter than the cops were. You know, there's right. that great moment where. You know they're 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 watching them just, uh, check out a, a, a upcoming heist and they're like what's what's the angle what's the angle and Peter realizes we worthy the angle yeah no that's it's cool like, that, was, that was really cool yeah and I mean, then he's up the there thing. and he takes his pictures. like that's yeah they're smarter than you guys yeah and the only way you can't you got brought down was by their own hubris really in the end yeah and I felt like I was so Except for Val Kilmer he got away yeah. <laughs>
0: What do you think? Where does his life turn into? That see that maybe there should be a heat sequel. <laughs> Valkyrie will do it. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. He'd do five, six. Then he'd take a couple off, and then they make a big deal when he comes back for Heat Ten. Yeah, so Heat you're Ten really, maximum ice. You're, you're in the middle of something. <laughs> heat Eleven <muy> caliente. <laughs> You're still on it. <laughs> Continue. Uh, I don't know. I was just gonna say some bullshit. Oh, so uh, there's the scene where the. So I got really invested in the fact that De Niro's crew they're really good like I really like how good they are and then they come out of the they're out partying they come out of the nightclub and then we sort of like jib up or tilt over and see that um the cops are like lined up on the balcony watching them and it was a little bit of a moment of oh like I wanted it to be harder yeah I wanted the, they're just sort of like
1: well that was fish right, a that was that right after the they the name the, the, the word was it? slick yeah. But they're like, oh, like it, well, this, this is the guy that says slick. He calls yeah. everyone slick. And they found um, uh, Tom, Tom, Sizemore. Tom, Sizemore. Tom, Sizemore. Tom Sizemore's character because the guy says slick a lot. And so they go, like, well, let's follow him. And it's like, oh, who are these guys? Yeah. It's just like, oh, really? That's how they found them? It's just felt a little too. I guess they just wanted to get to the cat and mouse as quickly as possible. Yeah. and that, And by the same token, like, I did appreciate the fact that, like, This was
0: a movie written, like, before every movie was following, like, a Save the Cat template. Save the Cat is, like, a screenwriting book. And um, I'm not telling you... you No, I'm (laughs) just (laughs) telling And uh, the... uh, So, there's something really nice about the fact that, even though it is very much, like, a a died in the wall Hollywood action movie, you know, I I couldn't predict what all the beats were going to be, or that it's going to go... You know, oh, this is the point where the movie stops having any new information reveal and it just gets really loud and lots of things blow up and you kind of just want it to be over. Like, Mm -hmm. I never really knew what was going to happen next. I was surprised by a bunch of stuff that happened. And I think that that's, ultimately, like, that's, in a way, kind of the highest compliments you can pay a a movie, especially a really mainstream movie where it's, like, satisfying yet
1: still manages to be surprising and unpredictable, like... Yeah, because cause that set piece in the middle where there the bank heist gone wrong, you know, today it would be a giant car chase in there. You yeah. just have all this... I, I, find, I found recently that watching action movies puts me to sleep. Yeah. Because the action is generic and doesn't really have any kind of emotional weight to her storytelling, where during that entire bank heist, you know, Michael Mann knows how to orient to you in the scene and geography it's like he's over here Seismar's over there right. Kilmer's over there oh god he's watching he's looking to see him. where's Kilmer he's over there he's like he's just mm-hmm. got shot shit you know where everyone is all the time yeah. and where they're trying to get back they're trying to cover each other there's something going on there's stuff behind them there's stuff in front right. of them you know every shot matters Right. You know, they're not just doing a bunch of cool little bits and pieces to show how they can get away and then, and then get really close and then get away and get really close again they're not doing that they're doing that in different ways, and you know now they're here, and it's like, what's his next tactic? So I'm gonna go through a parking lot, because right. you're not gonna shoot in the middle of the fucking parking lot and risk killing a civilian, right? right? Sizemore grabs that kid, yeah, you know, and I think it's established earlier on in the movie he has a kid, yes, you know when they see when they're at a dinner that night, yeah, so it's like you assume he's not making that choice lightly, yeah, you know he doesn't want the kid to get hurt either, yeah, but you're right, like I feel like the modern version would be would be
0: escalating like set pieces within set pieces where it's like there's, you know, would, you know there'd be like the, they go around the corner and then, it's a street festival or they would, then it would go to like the
1: rooftops and then it would, there would be some zip lining. Yeah, there's some elegance to the simplicity of it in this movie. Yeah, right, even just that final, final act, even before it's the two of them in the airfield, uh, just inside the uh, hotel, you know, he pull, pulls the alarm. And, which, yeah. to, the only thing that bothered me is that you had that moment where the two guys that are watching the surveillance camera don't seem to clue in for a second that maybe this is a ruse. R- the They're, alarm going off at all? Yeah. Yeah. Both of them are like, hey, we should check the smoke. Like, none of them are like, I'm going to keep on the TV because there's a good chance he, th- the guy we're looking for, mm-hmm. threw the fucking alarm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they don't have, a, yeah. it doesn't seem like there's a sense of that at
0: all. But that's got to be a tough gig. Like, you're watching a monitor for, like, 12 hours. You're not your sharpest. Fair enough. Fair These enough. are just working steps. I mean, I, I, I think you're being a little
1: rough on them. Yeah, but but what I love about that moment... You know what? It's just, elitist. That's what I'm saying. Okay, fine. I'll take it. But what I do love about that whole build-up to the end is that you've got the moment where De Niro can't just fly away and let it go, which undoes him. And then the moment where, you know, Pacino's in the hospital room, his, you know, stepdaughter's gonna live at this point yeah uh, although she chose to slit her wrists in his hotel room yeah I didn't quite I wondered if there
0: were maybe a few scenes that got cut for time yeah like establishing that she was there
1: or or just their relationship further yeah. um cause all they have is that one scene where he drives her home which right. I guess is to establish their relationship right cause there's no real function for that scene other than that uh, but what I was getting at was the idea that that's the, he could, he should stay in that hotel, in that hospital room with that woman whose daughter just tried yeah. to kill herself. He probably he shouldn't have even looked at his pager. Yeah, but he yeah. doesn't. And that's, and that's the moment where he, he ruins that relationship. Yeah. You know, they both make those choices at the end where they could just let it go. But also I'd say that her decision to sleep with some other guy
0: and, uh. Is kind of kind of kind of like also makes it uh, guy makes it okay for him to walk away. No, no. When his girlfriend or his wife was it his wife? His wife. Yeah, his third wife. Right, his third wife. Uh, When he comes home and she's got a man over, who's and who's and he like takes the TV. Like I feel like the fact that she slept with that guy, that there probably means the relationship is not salvageable.
1: Yeah. But she asks. She does say, "It's like, is it possible?" It's similar to. It's almost like the movie going easy on these guys in the end and wanting to make sure we still like them. Right. it's very similar to the idea that it's like, well, De Niro had to go back because that guy was a serial killer, even though De Niro didn't know that. That was information only the audience knew. Right. Um, and you know, it's okay for Pacino to leave this woman at the at the hospital with her almost with her suicidal daughter because she cheated on him right. as opposed to him just being a shitty workaholic husband. Yes. You know,
0: but there's, there's a certain, I'm sure that Hollywood has a bit of a, you know, unconscious invested inve- interest yeah. in standing up for workaholics. <laughs> because, you know, like, I feel like there's just so Fair. many stories that are about being like completely overly devoted to your career job. And, you'll stop at nothing to like do the thing that is your job. And it's all made by people who have that kind of drive and that kind of like problems at home because they're never at home. They're always
1: at the studio or. Yeah. And it's funny. And he even brings it up when he's, he's talking with his wife and she's like, "You you know, I thought I would be sharing you, but I'm just getting the leftovers. It's like his job is pretty stressful. (laughs) <laughs> like, it's not like he's just a, an accountant or a guy yeah. that's just doing nine to five or working overtime a lot. Not it's like, like he's
0: just like, he's got to sell,
1: he's got to sell more shoes than Henderson this month.
0: Yeah. He he's he's gotta gotta doesn't like, really have a He's got to leave it job. all on the mat.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> she's like, come home and share with me. And he tells that great, horrific story as I joined, I come home and tell you how that I saw a drug dealer put this two-year-old in the microwave because he wouldn't stop crying. Yeah. Or six-month, whatever. I well, thought well, that was a
0: pretty good point.
1: Yeah. It's anyway. like, you don't want to know that. It's like, I, I can't share that with you. He's like, yeah, that's fair. That's a really fair point. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should like, you know, get yeah. you some therapy. How should they, honey? Well, but he mentioned that he's like, I don't want therapy. I don't want unload. I got to keep it here, so it keeps mm. me sharp. Keeps oh it yeah, out, you know, keeps them right on the edge. Ugh. I feel that way too about me. I have to keep yeah. my
0: angst inside, so I keep my jokes
1: real sharp. Right. You know? It's true. Well, I've I've had a conversation <laughs> with people because I, I I know several people in our industry in our field that that do therapy and. And I kind of said, but for me, "I'm like, that's I don't get that stuff away for free," <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, I feel like the, would I be uh, a healthier person with therapy? Maybe, but I, I wouldn't know. write nearly as much. <laughs> you just, uh,
0: I feel like there's great. I think uh, healthy artists can
1: make great art. And I feel like name. I, I'm five. <laughs> <laughs> five exactly. Uh, See, you can't even name one. Van Gogh. One easy. Because wait a off.
0: Okay, that might be harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> My wow. real point is that I think that Happy Cops could catch a lot of bad
1: guys. Name five. Okay, John Rambo. Oh wait, he wasn't a cop. <laughs> um, the guy in The Simpsons, Chief Wiggum. He's hey. happy. <laughs> <laughs> he's very happy. Yeah. Nice work, fellas. I don't know if he's ever caught any bad guys though. So maybe we put a pin in that. Not knowingly. Yeah, No, I agree. I agree. There's, um, uh, I don't know if you ever read uh, Judd Apatow's Sick in the Head book. No, is it good? It's great. It's just a series of interviews that he's done over like 30 or some odd years. Uh, and so it's like he does an interview with Seinfeld in the 80s or like before the show was out or anything. Because uh, Judd Apatow started, when the, I think it was when he was in high school, he lied and said he had a, a radio show. And that's how he got to interview comedians. And oh, so, well, that's amazing. Yeah, you know, was before the internet's around so people can't look him up or anything like that. Yeah, right? back You're when just... you could lie about your age. Yeah. Well what happened is that, you know, because he'd follow these comedians in the clubs. So he was a big comedy nerd, and then he'd show at their apartment, and they'd realize he's a kid, it's like, ah pff. and they just take pity on him and let him in anyway. <laughs> because what are you gonna kick him out? Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting, uh, when you when you read the book and you and you, you see the pattern of his interview questions that he kind of does, and and you get the sense that he's very much He's he's a guy that you know has the typical comedian angst and trauma early in his life from his parents being divorced and other things, and so every single person he talks to, he's trying to figure out what's wrong with them that makes oh. them funny. Like what's, the thi- what's the what's the what's dam- the what's their damage? Right, and when peop- there's a co- there's one or two that call him on it. Like Seinfeld's not really. He's like got my parents were particular. They're, I'm a happy guy. Yeah, and he's like he do he won't accept it, and he just keeps on needling and trying to find that thing that damages them because <laughs> he he can't accept the fact that you can be a healthy, functional person, right. And create in general. I think yeah, yeah. Interesting.
0: I think that there's a bit of a selection bias going on as mm-hmm. well where I think that on the one hand I think that like healthy happy artists or healthy happy detectives can be effective in what they do but I also think that actually everybody or most people are fucked up or have some kind of inner pain but it's the the writers and the singers and the screenwriters and the you know the actors are the people in society who are hogging the microphone so we yeah. hear about their their angst and their well, and their inner easy. turmoil more than we hear about plumbers who are dealing with their own stuff. Yeah, plumbers have just angst. as much.
1: They're, they're dealing with shit angst angst all day for long. Days.
0: Yeah. Do you got I, your arm up to the elbow
1: in someone's toilet? That's just the beginning. That's like a nice relief from your inner your inner turmoil. I knew a plumber growing up whose business card said, I'm number one in the number two job. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. Pretty good. Um Yeah. There, see, that's our buddy cop movie we've got to make. Too, it, it's the like opposite Buddy the plumbers? Heat. No. Oh, buddy. <laughs> that has not been done. <laughs> competing plumbers? It's amazing. Uh, no, but the, uh, it's the reverse of heat, where it's two people that are just so functional and happy in their lives, they, can't, they feel like they're not good at their jobs, because they're just too happy. It's called warmth. <laughs> it's too close to heat. It's got to be the opposite. It's cold. No, I don't know. This is a bad idea. Let's not do it. Back the uh, Back yeah, the I plumbers. think
0: you're I don't I think you're I think you're giving up too soon.
1: <laughs> so it's about two very functional, happy people who aren't very good at their jobs. I think they're they're good they're okay at their job, but they're like, could I be better if I was just, you know, shittier to my wife and my kids, and if I just kind of broke the rules. Should I start breaking the rules? Maybe I'll be better at my job if I break the rules. If I become that cop that pushes someone through a glass. Let just try that right. out. Oh, no. Actually, what happens is you get fired. Well, live and learn. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. You know how much paperwork you have to fill out now? <laughs> you push the guy through a glass wall. Not a glass. There's no saying a glass wall, but you know. You push him through a glass door. You can't do that. Yeah. But he wouldn't give me information. <laughs> you still can't do that. And also, uh, the real- information he got from torture is uh,
0: actually pretty unreliable. Yeah, it's inadmissible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's what? <laughs> Whoa, maybe I should have gone to police school.
1: All right, so we'll, so clearly we're gonna write this, the very meta version of heat. You don't want to go with warmth. You want? You think it's your heat is too? Warmth is pretty good. Heat, like... We call it feet. They're the podiatrists. It's bad. Now we're going back to down, back to back to plumbers who rival can't. plumbers. La- lava. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's late. We're just getting squirrely now.
0: Rival plum plumbers. Did you think I said lava plumbers? Yep. Okay, hang on. Lava plumbers. <laughs> turn turn the thing off. Turn it off.
1: <laughs> we want to it We're gonna let, let too much
0: of this good shit out into
1: the world. <laughs> Let's not do that. We'll we'll table the conversation and have it on the side. Uh, and then you'll just have to watch our our lava plumber movie called Warmth. Coming <laughs> no. coming in two thousand twenty two. It's gonna take some while well to write we have to get it. together. Right. We might need a couple more years. <laughs> uh, so any any last thoughts? Any um, is this the kind of movie you think you'd revisit? Uh, I it's an investment of time
0: It is, yeah it is, I feel like this is definitely one of those movies where I would, uh, I, would give it a, I would give it a year But I'd definitely watch it again You know those movies where as soon as it's over You want to start over from the beginning and watch it right through I feel like this one I Actually, uh, I can usually tell After I see a movie if it's going to stay with me For a few days And I feel like I already know this one is going to Stay with me for, for, for a few days or a week And I actually will kind of enjoy that process because it's a little bit of like peeling an onion. Yeah, no, it's true. There'll be insights that I have that I'll wish that I said to this evening Yeah, great. uh, that I won't get
1: for, you know, 72 hours or something. That's okay. No, it's nice to have that. I love movies that just kind of linger with you and sit with you. And I find that doesn't happen happen as much. What's the last movie that did that for you, that lingered? Oh, God. I can't remember off the top of my head. You? Outside of Heat, obviously. Hmm... Iron Man 3. (laughs) Wow. A long time ago. I'd have to think about it too hard too. Yeah, I don't have a great answer off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man. I would have to look back through my, like, view history. I can look at my view history right now. Let me see if there's any... Well, aren't you fancy? Look at me. Zoolander 2. No. Uh... I just I just watched
0: Oakja. Did Oakja linger? Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Honestly, because I've been I tend to watch TV uh, a fair yeah. bit. I feel like for me it would be
1: leftovers is still uh You know what I think it would be head. it would be uh, I'm probably gonna say it wrong uh, Monsieur Lézard. Canadian film even it's okay. uh it was our Oscar pick for uh, best picture that year and I think it was actually. Got her best picture nomination. Oh, I know. It's one about the teacher that kills themselves and the and the guy that took over. Right. Uh, and just kinda of did it with the classroom and he was he lied about who he was to get the job and and it's kind of about the at its core it's about the fact that teachers are not supposed to be able to show warmth to students in the right. way that human beings should just show warmth to people. Yeah. Um, and it just kinda of left a lot of stuff to to think about. So I think that's probably the last movie that I was, was still lingering for a couple days after. Just shout out to... Um, is it Moshe? Monsieur, Monsieur. Monsieur Lazar? Yeah, I think that sounds accurate enough for me to feel good about. Moshe LeBlanc? That's Nope. Part. Nope. <laughs> Definitely not that. Yeah. Great, well thanks for coming out. I'm glad you finally got to see it. Uh, you know what? That movie was hot. <laughs> Let's
0: all go to the lobby.
1: Let's all go to the lobby. Thanks for joining us for Heat. If you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word about it. You can find me on Twitter, at Lalonde Jeremy. And on Facebook, you can check out Black Hole Films. If you like the show, please leave a review on the Facebook page or on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to this thing. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks.